Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Psyched Convos on Psychology, Relationships, and Personal Growth. I'm Nicole. And I'm Laura. And today we're going to be talking to you about depression. So we're going to start off with some common misconceptions about depression. And the first one is that talking about depression makes it worse. Yeah, a lot of times I think people don't want to talk about how they're feeling. Uh, they feel like if, they're, if they talk about it more that it'll bring it more in the forefront and that they'll, they'll actually feel worse. And right. I believe that, yeah, usually that is exactly the opposite, but many people believe that. Well, and talking about it too makes, like if you don't talk about it, you're losing that connection with people and you're feeling even more isolated and out of touch with everyday people and society. So I think when you talk about it, you get that connection with other people, which would help you feel better. And also when you're feeling depression, you know, symptoms of depression, the emotions that you're feeling are, they're really energy. So if you can't express them in some way, then basically they build up inside, inside you. And so, and they stir around and they continue to build and build. So really by talking about them and, or finding there, you know, there are productive ways to release uh, your emotions uh, that will, that actually helps lighten how you feel because you actually get them out. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And another common misconception that we have about depression is that we should try to cheer people up who have depression. Yeah, usually, again, we don't like to see people sad or we feel uncomfortable or or down, let's say. We feel uncomfortable when they're down. It's hard for us to uh, witness that. But when we try to cheer people up, they it actually tends to make them feel like their feelings are not really that, um, that important or it minimizes how they feel. And so uh, they feel, well, something's wrong with me if I'm feeling these things. If someone's saying, well, just cheer up, you know, cheer up. It's really telling that person, you know, it's, it's not invalidating. really a deal. Yeah, exactly. You're invalidating. not validating those person's feelings and emotions, which are true and valid and they have a right to those feelings. Yeah. And again, I think that goes along with people who think that talking about the depression is bad um, because, you know, bringing it out and actually focusing on it is bad. And so when people are trying to cheer people up, that's sort of that where they're coming from. It's like, oh, we don't want to talk about it with that person. We want to cheer them up, get them to focus on something else. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that then it actually deepens the depression and the disconnection for that person. They're not feeling like they're connected to you know, another, another human being. Right, exactly. <clears throat> and um, another misconception about depression is that it looks the same on everyone. So I guess in the sense of the common view that we have of depression, which is someone who's sad and down and doesn't want to interact with people and is sitting at home all the time with the curtains drawn and in bed and things like that. Yeah. And the, uh, obviously that is one <laughs> example. Right. right. Um, but many people uh, actually experience more irritability and anger. They'll express it through that. 
a lot of people express it through humor. I mean, Mask if you look at com many comedians actually have had depression and a good example of that is Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. You know, he was obviously a comedian and um, committed suicide or died by suicide. So uh, that obviously, that's a good example of that. Right. So yeah, it, obviously you might not even know if someone has depression just by looking at them, like it could be someone who is one of your friends, it could be a family member and they just, it all looks different on every person and everyone deals with it differently. So you really don't know who has it or who doesn't. Right, right. And another common misconception is that depression is the same as being sad. Yeah, I think sad, you know, we can all be sad from time to time. Something doesn't go exactly how we thought, you know, we're disappointed because, well, disappointed that I didn't get to go to my trip to Arizona um, right. <laughs> because of this. But, you know, so we can feel sad for a little time because something happens in our life. Uh, again, depression is more of a overall view about how we see the world. It's more encompassing and definitely well, more longer lasting. It's not you're just sad about a specific experience that happened to you. It's a overall you're sad all the time about whatever is happening in your life, whether that's good or bad. Right. It's just a deeper level of uh, it's prevalent throughout how you see the world and yourself and your future and all that kind of stuff. Right. Exactly. So now that we've covered some of the common misconceptions around depression, we're going to go into exactly what it is and some of the symptoms surrounding it. So depression is a mood disorder, which is described as feelings of sadness or loss, anger. And it, like we said just a second ago, it interferes with your everyday life and it really clouds your whole perspective of the world around you. Right, right. And I think that's the, when it, when it's considered a disorder, that's uh, when, when you start noticing that it's really interfering with what you would normally do in your life, then it becomes a disorder. So it's hindering you from really living normally right. in your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, like our last episode uh, with anxiety, Depression is also fairly common. Um, there is a stat here that 7% of Americans have had at least one major depressive episode, and it could be as high as 30 to 50% of people will be affected at some point in their lives by some sort of depressive uh, state or episode. Um, so it, it definitely is a huge problem and a huge um, overall encompassing disorder that is prevalent in our society. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, anxiety is the number one. Depression would be next in line. Um, right. So yeah, many people experience it. So it's not it's not uncommon, even though people may not talk about it. But you probably would be surprised if you did open up about feeling depressed that other people, many other people, have you know had that experience as right. well. Right. And even if you don't have it. Um, you are probably affected by it in some way because because of how many people are affected by it. You know someone who has it, and you're probably close right. to someone who has it. So whether or not you personally are affected by it, you're most likely going to interact with and be close with someone who has at least experienced it in some way. I don't know if you ever saw that commercial about depression, and they 
they show like a, a man um, sitting and kind of having a glum look on his face and the poor dog is looking oh, at him, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, because the dog, you know, wants, wants to, to play with him right. and, and other people around that person are, you know, feeling down. So it truly, it does absolutely affect the people. You can be affected by it, even if you're not experiencing it. Um, somebody in your life who is, uh, it will affect you right. because they're not able to interact with you in a way that's fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and um, another thing we wanted to note was that there are different types of depression. So there's dysthymia, bipolar, seasonal, postpartum, and psychotic depression. And these are all subtypes of uh, depressive disorders. But today we're going to just focus on uh, depression. General, mm -hmm, general depression, um, and we're going to talk about those specific types at a later date in another episode. Um, so moving on from that, some of the symptoms that you may be feeling if you are depressed, um, you could be irritable, anxious, actually is also tied into this as well, and we can, we'll talk about that a little bit further in how they're tied together. Um, you could be feeling angry, loss of interest in your activities and things that you used to find joy in. Uh, you'll be fixed or ruminating on the past a lot. And then it, that could eventually lead to thoughts of death or suicide. Yeah, yeah. And of, of course that would be the very extreme. So obviously, hopefully you wanna uh, take care Catch of things that before. Before. to that point, but yeah. Right. But yeah, so these are some of the things that you're probably gonna start feeling once you, if you are becoming depressed. And then um, moving over into that physical symptom side, uh, you can be feeling, a lot of people are have, have insomnia or they're oversleeping. Uh, mm -hmm. You be, can be feeling fatigue. So a lot of people, because like we said, loss of interest in activities, you probably are just feeling lower amounts of energy overall. So you're not gonna be wanting to do things as much. Uh, your appetite can change. So overeating or undereating, uh, and that will contribute then to weight change. So again, you might start gaining weight or losing weight and, and you will have difficulty concentrating. Yeah, I think sometimes too, difficulty concentrating, uh, you know, sometimes people think they have ADHD or ADD, uh, which would be an attention deficit disorder. Um, but a lot of times that can be based from depression, you know, lots of thoughts in your mind, you know, ruminating, you're ruminating through, so you can't really bring your focus um, to, to what you're doing. Right. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. Okay. So now that we've kind of gone over what it is, we're going to talk about why do we have depression? Where does it come from? Is there some purpose to this? Um, so as with anxiety, there isn't one cause for depression. So there's a combination there of genetics and environmental factors at play. So uh, it's really, there is no, uh, we can't pinpoint a specific thing that causes this. Right, right. Well, you know, again, I think we have, we have um, a, a possibly a genetic predisposition position for depression and right. um but again but with um you know depending on how we were brought up uh sometimes our primary caregivers have depression and so again they're role models for us and Learned so we may behavior. learn from them how how to interact with the world and it, you know we see that that's their way of do of 
interacting. And so we'll start, it, that can trigger then that genetic part to, uh, to activate. <laughs> and so then we develop the depression as well. Right. So. And so I know with depression, uh, sometimes it is, and maybe I'm wrong, but sometimes I thought that it is completely based on your brain chemicals and the sometimes it's like the serotonin reuptake thing, whatever that happens. Is that the same as anxiety? Like, is there something in your brain? Is there like some type of anxiety or depression that could be a hundred percent genetically caused? Well, I think it's sort of that what came first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. You know, I think I mean, it's so maybe, hard to know. Right. But if you have it, it's, you know, you develop more of the chemical that increases that because you're continuing mm -hmm you are basically dictating how your brain is going to be formed if you continue doing the same patterns of thinking you know right. so then you're and then you're going to be developing those chemicals which will reinforce it which will reinforce your thinking in those ways uh -huh. and your behavior so it so really still is hard to tell vicious cycle right 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 so you really exactly. can't yeah that makes sense okay in, in a sense it really doesn't matter it's true <laughs> like you're just still trusting whether it started one way or the other, the bottom line is you will have more chemicals that will increase your depression and anxiety if you continue in those habitual ways of thinking um, and behaviors. Yeah, right. That That's makes sense. going to reinforce the emotions and that whole thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the, some of the negative effects of depression is that this can be tied to low self-esteem. It can be tied to abuse, other chronic diseases. It definitely will tie into substance disorders and anxiety as well, which I said we would talk about now. So there's this connection between anxiety and depression that's pretty strong. Um, and if you wanna talk about that more, how they're kind of tied together. Yeah, well, anxiety and depression often do um, come together uh, there's kind of like two sides of the same coin. Uh, sometimes, you know, some people will lean maybe more with toward depression, but they'll have some anxiety or vice versa. Um, I think, you know, I've worked with people who've come in for anxiety, and then as their anxiety subsides, they start realizing that they are feeling depressed. Mm -hmm. So in a way, anxiety is a coping mechanism sometimes for depression. Uh, anxiety, as much as it comes from a feeling of lack of control, it energizes us to keep trying to gain control from these external ways. Like, for example, um, if you talk about obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, it's we, people who have that, they're trying to control their world by keeping things in a specific way, you know, washing their hands or whatever that the specific is. behavior is mm -hmm. but um uh, so it's trying to keep things you know the anxiety at bay uh but when you take that anxiety away there's a deeper level of something going on and oftentimes that you ex expose depression yeah that makes a lot so. of sense i wanted to touch on how uh depression can come from abuse as well. So, I mean, that can be either, uh, the person can either be abusive because of their depression. Uh, they can, you know, if they, they can, if they're experiencing anger because of depression, they can take that out on other people. Um, so that definitely, uh, can happen, uh, 
from, um, I mean, depression can cause someone with depression to be abusive, or also if they are being abused, obviously, I think that can create depression as well. Right. So, and so you're probably ways. more likely to stay in that abusive situation if you are depressed because you're not as driven or um, have as much enough energy to really take yourself out of that situation. Right. Yeah. Right. And having chronic diseases is something too. I mean, when, mm-hmm. again, talk about not having control in your world when you have a chronic disease, you know, like people with IBS, you know, they, they feel they can't do everything in their life and it hinders them being able to do things. And so that can cause them to feel overall more, more down, you know, and increase that habitual type of uh, reaction or behavior to, to how they're feeling. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So why do you think, like we said, anxiety is the number one disorder and depression is number two. Why do you think people tend to lean more towards anxiety over depression? Or why is it more prevalent, even though it's caused by probably similar situations or experiences? Yeah, I, again, I think it is probably, uh, there's a ge- genetic component to it. Um, and then depending on what they what their role models were growing up and if one reacted more in the world with anxiety then you would probably lean more toward that or mm-hmm. if it was depression you'd lean toward that you know there's that that genetic piece plus the environmental experience that um can create that okay you know leaning leaning one way or the other yeah and i think that also makes sense when you when we talked about how anxiety covers up depression, so kind of your initial response maybe to certain experiences and your initial uh, way of leaning is going to be anxiety, but really once you start uncovering that, it'll become, you'll see that it's depression as well, so. Mm -hmm. So, Nicole, I understand you kind of did some uh, research about the, if there's an evolutionary purpose for depression. So, what did you find about that? Yeah, so I know that when we talked about anxiety, we found that there was some sort of evolutionary purpose to that. And um, so I wanted to see if depression, if there was an evolutionary purpose to depression as well, because why would anxiety have it, but uh, um, depression wouldn't? And I found an article in Scientific American that talks about the potential evolutionary purpose for depression, which was that it could cause us to slow down and actually analyze problems more thoroughly. And like we said with anxiety, you're much more frantic, you're probably impulsive, you're jumping to conclusions more. So when you're in this depressive state though, you're moving a lot slower, you're ruminating on things, you're thinking about things a lot more, which obviously we don't think is necessarily a good thing, but it can cause you to analyze one problem a lot more thoroughly than maybe someone who is in a healthier place or in an anxious state. And there was also some the, some research done in that article that talked about how depressed people are actually better at solving social dilemmas as well. So there could be potentially that evolutionary purpose to being depressed. Yeah, I, I that makes sense. Um, again, anxiety is more of a uh, frantic, uh, you know, and if you, if you look at the, what happens when you experience anxiety, it's activating the sympathetic nervous system to go into the fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, so then you're not really able to logically just kind of 
sift through information and make sense of it, you're, you're just jumping to uh, survival mode. Whereas when you're slowing things down, uh, you're more able to really sort through some things. So yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now we are going to talk about how you can improve it if you have it. So I know one of the biggest things I think that could help is going to see a therapist, going to counseling, because, you know, one of the biggest things about depression is that self-talk aspect of it. And going to counseling or therapy can really help with that. Yeah, of course. Um, one of we want to know how to break the patterns of our self-talk. So with depression, you know, if that's if that's a habitual way of thinking, uh, you want to become more aware of our self-talk, and a therapist can be very good at helping you start paying attention to that. Really paying attention to. Uh, thoughts that are judgmental of you uh, or black and white thinking where you're it's either this or or nothing at all kind of um, you know you're not seeing any gray mm -hmm. and um, so a therapist can be very good at helping point out those things and making because it's hard on your own to really start paying attention you know unless you're really um, good at that self-aware right so, so that can be helpful. Right. And um, another thing that really helps with depression is exercise, um, because I know that it does release serotonin and dopamine and endorphins, and those are all contributing um, to your happiness. Right, right. Um, yeah, exercise, definitely. And, you know, when we talk about exercise, it doesn't mean you have to do like you know, real hardcore, <laughs> exhausting type of stuff. You right. know, some people like that, but obviously not everybody's going to do that. But really exercise, I mean, just as much, just as far as walking, right? you know, uh, doing that is something very beneficial and can be mood lifting. Yeah, exactly. And another thing that helps a lot, especially with seasonal depression, when we are stuck inside a lot of the times during the winter, uh, light therapy. Right, right. We're, we really do need uh, sunlight, even when it's gray outside, the more we can expose ourselves to the light from outside uh, that has that um, increases hormones that help with mood as well. And uh, so I, you could do that with walking, <laughs> being outside. Uh, Kill two but also with to, one stone. Notice, what? Kill two birds with one stone. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, but if you notice, like some, a lot of people who have depression or many people will close themselves into a room, kind of draw the blinds, you know, hide under the covers. And that really is increasing or, um, uh, you know, compounding what you're experiencing, uh, making it worse because you really want to get more with the light and um, expose yourself, you know, more into natural light, or mm -hmm. if you happen to have a, one of those lights for light therapy, you know, mm -hmm. definitely that's a good thing, but right. yeah, so, so definitely light. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, another thing that you can do is 
reach out to people, connect with people. Like we said, with misconceptions, talking about depression makes it worse. That's not true. So you want to reach out to people. You want to connect with people that'll help you feel less alone, feel more connected, um, be able to talk through your emotions more and letting people know that you are feeling this way and making connections through that because maybe other people are feeling the same way. Right. And I think, you know, I think we all know who in our lives we feel better uh, about things when we talk to them. So we want to make sure that those are the people we reach out to. There are mm -hmm. definitely sometimes people that are more critical of, of us um, or are trying to do the cheering up. Um, but we want to definitely uh, pick the people that are going to be supportive of us and, you know, that we feel better after we talk to talk to them. Right, exactly. And I think all of these things kind of culminate into an overall maintenance of a healthy lifestyle. So basically you want to get enough sleep, you want to exercise, you want to get outside, you want to connect with people. Like these are all uh, contributing to a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, healthy, healthy diet. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, a big reason for that is when we don't take care of ourselves health-wise, uh, our body really is then focused on mending all the, the problems that we're, we're creating from that. So it takes away our body's focus from really uh, bringing it to more of a positive outlook, uh, being more creative, having more inspiration, being more loving, being more caring. When we're not taking care of ourselves, our body is really run down because we're causing it to work a lot harder in fixing all the things that we're not doing right. So by focusing on taking care of ourselves and living a healthy lifestyle, we really give our body the best chance to uh, bring in positivity and creativity and inspiration in our life that helps get rid of the depression. Otherwise, our body is really focusing on mending all the problems we're creating for it as we're not treating our body well with poor lifestyle choices. Uh, then our body is really focusing on that and right. it, and it, it, we exhaust ourselves through that and we don't have the energy to give to the positive things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, the last thing that we can do, and this is, I think, you know, like you said, and I think you said this with the anxiety as well, sometimes this is more of a last resort, but sometimes this has to be used first to even be able to take the steps to working on depression, but medication. Yeah, yeah. So I think with, with all things, I mean, I think we want to try to avoid medication if we can, mm -hmm. but obviously medication is there for a reason. And sometimes we need to decrease the symptoms a little bit to be actually start being able to focus on this self-care, uh, the way we have um, the self-talk in our heads and all that. We need something to help calm down the symptoms that we're experiencing so that we can actually start doing some of the work. So medication can be can be helpful um, with depressive medication. Usually, that's something that 
builds up in our system over a period of time. So it's not an addictive medication. Um, and it's what it does is sort of soften the edges of what we're experiencing, uh, you know, emotionally. Uh, some of our self, it, I think it helps us create distance between how we're habitually acting and our ability to see it. Mm -hmm. um, so that we can start making some different choices before we just act on it. We can start seeing it before that so we can make different, you know, we can act on it in a different way. So medication can be very helpful for that to at least start spurring that process on. And hopefully at some point, once we start really getting the grasp of that, if it's, if it's, if you're able, you know, slowly you can, um, back off of the medication but right. again that's nothing um to be ashamed of it sometimes that's what we need and that's something you know thank god we have those medications to help right. us exactly yeah yeah so i think we covered everything um unless you have anything else to add uh no i think that's about it for today all right thanks guys all right thank you Thanks so much for listening, guys. If you are listening to this on Friday the 17th, uh, we are going to be doing a giveaway this coming week. So if you would like to be a part of that giveaway and have an entry into that, all you have to do is subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and then go follow us on Instagram at Psyched Convos. And if you do all those three things by the 24th, You'll be entered into the giveaway and we're not sharing right now exactly what that is going to be. So make sure you go ahead and do that right away. Um, but there will only be one winner. So make sure to get in on that. And also just make sure to subscribe to the podcast in general, rate review. We would love that. Um, and also if you have any questions for us or any feedback, you can email us at hello at psychedconvos.com. And we're also going to be in the next coming weeks talking about this new self-esteem program that we're working on. So be on the lookout for that. Um, you can always sign up for our newsletter. Um, you can go to zeitcombos.com and sign up there if you want to keep up to date on that. Otherwise, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.